The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Hey, this is Daryl and Jerome. This weekend, Sam couldn't make it. Sam is going through some um, some mourning process in his life. Uh, his mother passed away. Our blessings are with him. Uh, Sam, our heart goes out to you. We know that God is with you, man. Hold on tight. You're going to be all right. Hey, but we have Jerome on the line with us this week. Jerome, we're going to talk a little bit about this Jason Collins situation, Michael Sam's um, clowning, just clowning at the NFL combine. Wow. And we have some guests coming on this week. Hey, Jerome. Yes, did sir. you did you really think that Jason Collins would ever sign another NBA contract after coming out last year saying that he was he was gay and this is who he was? Uh, no, I really didn't think so. I mean, you uh, look at the atmosphere and uh, locker rooms around the NBA, the NFL, and uh, most locker rooms don't want to have anything that distract them, especially at this time of the year. But I know that the um, coach of uh, Boston, I mean, uh, uh, where Jason went is the Nets, is one who he was a player, so he's probably used to that and probably can handle that atmosphere in the locker room. Well, I, I think that does have something to do with it, but um, I think this is really a, um, a a landmark in sports. This is a this is this is a historical day in sports history. I don't know yeah. if we're gonna really realize this. Um, we don't realize this today, but I think. 10 or 20 years from now, we'll look back on this day when Jason Collins became the first gay player to play in, a, in one of the big three sports in America, playing right. in the NBA and playing meaningful minutes being an openly gay player. I think this, right. is, this, this, is, this is earth-shaking, man. It really is. Yes, it is. And I think, like you say, we won't know the ramifications of it now, but I'm sure it's going to be talked about 10, 20, 30 years from now. It will be talked about ten or thirty years from now, and 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 the conversation won't be like what we're talking. The conversation won't be like what we're having, where we're we're like amazed that he's accepted into a NBA locker room, or we amazed that him being um, an openly gay player playing in a in a in a in a sport that's dominated by men, and not just not just dominated by men, but it's it's dominated by testosterone, man. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's it's just dominated by what what men do we cuss we talk vulgar uh that's what a locker room atmosphere is and and not to say that hey gay men don't talk vulgar but right. i think this is something that uh that jason is um that because he's a veteran 
he won't be ridiculed like maybe a rookie would have would if he's openly gay and comes into a, a, a professional locker room. Right, and it went kind of unnoticed. I mean, not a lot of people was talking about it. I mean, it's not as big as it was when he first announced this, so it's almost uh, a little accepted now, and uh, people getting used to the idea, then it's going to be more uh, behind him. So he won't be the first, won't be the last. And that's why I say this is, we're we talking about it now, but um, 10 years from now, this will just be a common thing. You know, I, when, I, when I went to college, I'll, I'll never forget this lady, Christine Brenner. She was a, she's a writer with the Washington Post now, but she was a writer with the Miami Herald at the time. And she was in our locker rooms. It was like no big deal. This, this lady in the locker room, and it was other ladies, sports writers in the locker room after games. And, and that just really took me for a loop, man, when I, when I first saw this. And I guess now, it's, it, as it went on, and I went on throughout my career in football, it was common to see women in the locker room doing their job. So now I think it's just going to be a common thing eventually that we'll see gay people open, come out openly being gay in the locker room. And I look at... Um, you know, when we, when we, if, when I say this commonly to people, if you take a hundred men and you put them in a room, you're more than likely going to find probably one or two, maybe three that are gay. You know, they may never openly admit that they're gay, but they right. are gay nonetheless. Right. Yeah. So and that's, and that's, uh, in the old days, I mean, when uh, you were in locker rooms when I was a coach, it wasn't uh, uh, said about anything like that. I mean, players never uh, came out and said they were gay. You may have had some ideas or maybe some beliefs, but it just never was uh, said in a locker room or in the open. And uh, you may find out something later or something like that. But now uh, everybody is, is a little bit open here in America, especially. And we're, we're opening up to transgenders and uh, gays and um, even the president talked about it uh, a couple of years ago when he was um, uh, having a speech. So it's being talked about, it's being said, it's being accepted, and we just got to uh, go on with it, accept it. I, I agree. And, um, you know, the, the NBA has seemed to accept this. You know, and, 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 you know, when we think about the NBA being accepted, uh, when Magic Johnson came out and said that he had AIDS, um, this was a, a long time ago, around 1993. Um, the NBA was not ready for that. And there were some players that, that openly said they would not play with Mag Magic Johnson. Right. And, um, and things have really changed as far as that's, that's concerned. Mm -hmm. um, today... The, now, when I look, now, what I'm saying is the NBA, they, they kind of accepted some things through Magic Johnson and now Jason Collins. Well, let's look at Michael Sams. Mm -hmm. is, is, do you think the fact that he came out and said that he's, he's gay, is that, going to, um, is, is that going to hurt his draft status at all? I don't think it will. I mean, uh, uh, you look at some of the owners and some of the coaches in the NFL, they're looking at players that can help their team. Uh, sure, at the combine, they're uh, breaking them down and uh, trying to figure out, you know, mentally, can they handle it? Physically, can they handle it? What their 40 times, what their vertical leaps are? 
But uh, when you get into the heart of a young man uh, that he can play football or rush a quarterback and make a tackler, uh, the bottom line is, can he help you win? And the NFL is all about winning, baby. You know, Al Davis' uh, mantra. So I'm sure in the NFL, somebody's going to draft him uh, middle round, and uh, he's going to be probably successful. And sure, it's going to be a little bit of time for the people to get accepted, especially the fans, the opposite fans of who he's playing with. But uh, once he becomes a player and uh, perform and uh, do the best he can, and uh, I'm sure people are going to accept it, and you won't hear about this. You'll just hear about Michael Sam as a football player. I, I agree totally. And, um, and, you know, this young man is the co-SCC defensive player of the year. And, uh, and if he can play, they'll find a place for him. And, uh, exactly. you know, um, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure at some point he may be, um, get some ridicule in, in a locker room or it may be some people, um, may have to change the way they do things in a locker room or, or the way they say things in a locker room. But it's a, it's a place for him in the NFL locker room too. And I, and I hope the NFL is, is ready. I, I really do. You know, I, I, I sometimes question whether they are or not, but I, I hope, I hope that they're ready for this, for this young man. Hope so. It remains to be seen, and like I say, the, getting on the right team with the right owner, with the right players, with the right coaches, it's going to be a big difference with that young man in his career. Oh yeah, it it, it is going to be a, a a big difference with him. Um, but if Jason Collins can take that step and 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 be a, become an NBA player and an active roster, I think mm-hmm. this young man has a chance to go through NFL camp and at least. Um, display what he can do. Now, let's don't get it twisted. Um, Jason Collins is is a seven footer that plays basketball, right. and um, 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 Michael Sam's is six two, going to play defensive end or possibly outside linebacker. Um, if, if Michael Sam's was was six four and a half and and two forty five, and he ran he ran a, a four six forty or a four five forty, it, it wouldn't matter. Um, his his sexual preference, you know, right, but right. he's undersized, so he, he's going to be he's going to get uh, scrutinized just a little more carefully than um, than say if Clowney had come out and said he was gay. And speaking of Clowney, man, is he clowning around or what? <laughs> Did I just hear this man ran four four seven at the NFL Combine, weighing in at two hundred and sixty pounds, two sixty five, four four seven at that size and that speed. And uh, they said the vertical leap was something close to the Wayne Ways, I think they described wow. it. And you're talking about a player, but when you look at his uh, last season at South Carolina, he really didn't put up the numbers. I mean, you know, the year before last was an uh, awesome year for him, and um, but he didn't put up the numbers. But at the Scott and Combine, I mean, he put up some numbers there that's going to open a lot of eyes and might make him the number one pick. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if if he is the number one pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, his hand size was ten and a half inches. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And and when, when, you, when you look at, uh, they have a, a caption of uh, Clowney and Menzel running a 40. And, and Clowney is literally three steps ahead of him, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and and if, and if this young man is three steps three steps ahead of what we consider to be possibly the fastest quarterback coming out in this NFL draft, 
hey, he's something super special. I really yeah. see him maybe going as a first pick, man. Yeah, and they were talking about Blake Bowles, the quarterback from Central Florida, put on a good show today. He He's moving up in uh, the draft, and the stock is going up, and it looks like he's going to be close to Manziel type. So you're looking at him being probably in the top five. He's he's really putting on a show down there, they say. Yeah, and uh, and Bowles plays play some, some serious football at the University of Central Florida, here here in Florida, in Orlando, Florida. And um and, and I tell you, man, he looked like a pro for the last two years in Central Florida. I mean the big strong kid. Um he a quick release, very quick release. He's being compared to Ben Roethlisberger. And I when you get compared to those kind of athletes, I think he can almost guarantee a spot in the first round. And um we're probably talking about a player that's probably gonna be in the top ten picks. Exactly. And he uh, got a good size, six five, two, I think two thirty something, and uh, can run and get yourself out of trouble. He's not a runner, but he's the type of quarterback that can uh, uh, get a team out of trouble when they need to, and uh, make some plays downfield and help you that way also. So he's not just a pocket passer; he can help you a lot of ways. Yeah, he, he can help you a lot of ways. But you know, um, do you think Clowney possibly didn't give us his all in all? this past 2013 season, and he was actually holding back because uh, he was possibly afraid of maybe even suffering an injury of some sort. Um, is this? It, do you think that possibly went through his mind, and that's the reason we didn't see him play at the same level he played in 2012? I'm sure that had something to do with it. Uh, he was hurt. Uh, I think he had a, a knee injury, a leg and a hamstring uh, during the year, and that set him back a little bit, and uh, you know yourself, being an athlete that you were, if you push something like that, uh, you can then pop that hamstring, and now you're out for a longer period of time than just a couple of games. So I'm sure he was looking out for his career. He knew uh, probably at the end of the year he was going to go into the NFL draft. I knew He knew he wasn't coming back uh, for a senior year at South Carolina. So I'm sure that had something to do uh, with his decision and with his play. I, you know, I, I think you're right, Jerome, and, um, and and it doesn't surprise me that this young man was was thinking of his future because South Carolina wasn't paying him the kind of money he's he's capable of making in the NFL, and um, and, and 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 hey, I don't think he's wrong for um, uh, taking some time off. To be honest with no, you, no, no, not at um, all. I mean, uh, he had an interview on TV and he said. Uh, he wanted to take care of his family. It seemed like that was a priority, and you can't blame a young man for doing that. No, you really, you really can't. Now, um, you know, we, we look at these quarterbacks coming in this year's draft. Um, you know, Johnny Manziel, his stock seems to be slipping a little bit from from just from the comments that you hear. Uh, uh, but the the quarterback from Louisville, Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he didn't work out at the combine. He's not really, you know, saying he is going to have his pro day when he go when he when they come to Louisville. But I'm not so sure if this helps him or hurt him. And how do you feel about that? Uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, look at the body of work of the quarterbacks in college football. You got a lot of tape on. I'm sure every uh, coach probably got almost every play that he played in college. And you look at the film, and the film don't lie. He uh, put up some good numbers. He, he he was an excellent ball player in an excellent division where it was uh, competitive. And do you go by the stats that he put up in college more so than maybe what he will do at a combine or 
um, what do you think he can do, or do you uh, just say, well, we're going to draft him by the body work that he already has done? It's hard to say. It's hard to tell. Uh, you look at Brady, where did Brady go in the draft, and look what type of player Brady turned out to be. So uh, you don't know, especially with quarterbacks, you don't know how they're going to turn out, how they're going to mature, how they're going to help your team. only thing you can do is just draft uh, what you think is the best for your fit, and maybe that's Teddy, and maybe it's not. And, and you're right, you know, and, um, you know, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is, is, is going to be a good pro. I really do. I, I, I hope he comes to a, a, a good team. Um, you know, you hear, you hear about this kid, Sammy Watkins, um, the, the wide receiver from SMU. Uh, he ran a consistent, um, I think he ran 4-3, 4-3 twice. Um, this young man, I would love to see him come to Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville just have, has not had a lot of success in the NFL draft. I think Sammy Watkins is a receiver that's all about business, and I think he'd be a great fit for the Jaguars if we could get him. And I don't care if they have to use that. I think they have the third pick in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So yep. Jacksonville Jaguars need a lot of things. Obviously, they need a quarterback, so they may be looking at the quarterback position, but – it's hard to uh, give up an athlete at a, a spot where you really have got need, which is a wide receiver for Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, they they definitely have a, have a serious need for you. Um, you know, and I read the day that um, the the Rams are are trying to are looking into giving up that second pick. They have the second pick, and uh, and I also heard that um, that Johnny Manziel has said some things that have upset the Texans a little bit, and they're not so so happy with. Um, with what he's talking about and the way he's talking. So it's, you know, I don't, I don't, and honestly, I don't think Johnny Manziel is going to be the first player taken in this year's NFL draft. I just don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't see the Houston Texans taking him. And, um, I, you know, you know, Troy Stafford has had, has had a, 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 a shady suspect career at quarterback for the Rams. And I don't see them, Taking Johnny Manziel at quarterback, right. uh, I, he could. I really he could they, drop the Jacksonville. They, they may have a choice. Uh, and, and, you know, I think um, I think if Jacksonville had a choice of Burroughs, Manziel, and Bridgewater, I don't. I think Manziel would be uh, lowest on the list. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really think so. Think so. I think so too. Yeah, uh, and um, but you know. At the same time, Jacksonville need a quarterback so bad, but we also need receiver help. Uh, we have a lot of needs that need to be filled at um, at, at in Jacksonville. You know, in a lot Jacksonville. of this. That's right. A lot of help. Yeah. The Browns have the fourth pick, and the Browns are trying to see. They, they seem to be trying harder to get a coach than they are to get a um, to get a. Um, they're trying harder to get a coach than they are to um, get their get their their team in order. Right, now, that's an interesting concept. Trying to get Harbaugh from San Francisco. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't get that. I, I just I don't get that. Well, however, um, with that being said, man, uh, the Raiders have the fifth pick, and we know what the Raiders are going to do with their pick. They're always going to go for a wide receiver. And, uh, and more than likely, they'll get someone that's not going to help their team. They've done that for many years in the past. Mm-hmm. Which yep. could be the lead kid from uh, Southern Cal. I think he's the next best receiver in the draft. Marquise, I think he's yes. the next best receiver in the draft. And uh, 
Al Davis loves him some offense. You know Al. Yeah, yep. Al Davis loved the offense, and they love to stretch the field out there in Oakland. Um, you know, Reggie McKenzie is a new general manager out there, and um, it's his second year in the program. I really, I really expect the Raiders to make make some to make some changes in in the in the philosophy of that organization. I mean, it's just been losing for so many years in a row. I mean, they haven't won literally since Gruden left, and. Um, and they just—it's terrible. And that's my favorite team growing up, man. And it still is my favorite team, the Oakland Raiders. Yep. Used to be a stalwart over in the AFC. Yep. Well, hey guys, hey, you listen to Voice America on Sports Info, Voice America, and you are listening to the Sports Info UM show with Daryl. Sam is not with us tonight, but we'll be right back with more Voice America and more Sports Info UM. flagship station for sports voice america sports sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events tune in to all around sports with john inglesby fridays at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m pacific on the voice america sports channel The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, Jerome, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for uh, helping me out with, uh, in place of Sam tonight. You know, it's a whole... It's a, thank you, man. It's a whole lot of stories going on in the, in the um, NFL. A lot of NFL rumors going on. Um, 
about this about this clowny guy. Could he possibly be the first player selected in this year's NFL draft? Um, Johnny Manziel, his stock is is slowly slowly sliding. Teddy Bridgewater didn't work out in the NFL combines. Um, you know, I, I really um, um, Jim Harbaugh is being sought after by other teams in the NFL. Teams willing to actually give up players. Um, the, the Cleveland Browns have um, said they're so interested in Harbaugh they'll give up some players to give up huh? get get Harbaugh. Um, it's it's a lot of things going on. The New Orleans Saints are actually considering drafting a quarterback. Um, because they say Drew Brees, hey, they know he can't stay there forever. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins says he wants a chance to play. You know, the Washington Redskins, and you knew this was going to come up eventually. Um, I, I really think Kirk Cousins deserves, deserves a chance to play. I think the Redskins should trade him now and try and get something for him. Right, right. When you get to the end of your career, you, you start to look for those younger players. I mean, they, they cost a little bit less. And probably have a little more years than someone at the end of their career, and um, I'm sure the Redskins are looking at that. The GM probably looking at that, and uh, I'm sure New Orleans, like you say, is looking uh, down the road at who they can get as far as quarterback to replace uh, a legend like Drew Brees. Exactly, and you know, um, it's a story out there that Mark Tressman is also considering drafting a quarterback this year. Um, you know, Jay Cutler, he's had some health issues. In his career, not just last season, not just the season before that. I mean, his career, he's had to deal with some health issues. So it's not going to surprise me if if um, Coach Mark Tressman um, goes out and, and draft a quarterback. It's probably going to put a little pressure on Jay Cutler. And they just gave him a big contract, too. Right. But, um, I think it could put a little pressure on Jay Cutler. And maybe that's what Coach Tressman is trying to do, too. And this is the year to uh, go out to quarterbacks. I mean, it's... It's rich in quarterbacks, and um, I think it was last year you didn't have that many quarterbacks coming out, especially the first uh, couple of rounds. But this year you're deep in quarterbacks. You, uh, I think the Tolupo kid, you can find him probably in the second round. So you can find a good quarterback, you know, late in the rounds, and um, this might be the year of the quarterback and wide receivers. It, it, it might be. Um, you know, we, we talk about these three three top quarterbacks, but um, – you know, there there could be there could be some other quarterbacks that come out of this, this draft. You know, I, I I love to throw Stephen Morris's name out there. Stephen is a University of Miami grad, and he had a bright future in the NFL coming into this year's draft. But um, his season just didn't pan out as well as he would have liked to, and as well as many as many University of Miami fans would have liked to. However, you know. Um, Stephen Morris could be one of those guys that could possibly someday have a have a have a, a pretty bright career in the NFL with the right program. Could be with the right program. I mean, sometimes you look at college football and you wonder is it the system or is it the player that good? Back at the University of Florida when they was putting out all those quarterbacks, you had to say it was the system because they wasn't successful at the NFL level, but was successful at the University of Florida. So sometimes when you have players like kid at Miami, uh, they may get better because they get on a pro- at a program and a uh, system where it, it, it brings out your athletic ability and brings out everything that you didn't get to show in, in college. And you know yourself in the NFL, it's more a drop by um, um, control type game like the, the kid uh, from 
of Seattle, and he won the Super Bowl. He wasn't a great quarterback, not a great runner, not a great size, but he's a Super Bowl winner this year. Yes, he is. Yes, um, Russell Wilson uh, Russell definitely Wilson. is not the prototype NFL quarterback, and, and, and you're right about that. So, you know, when you, when you, when you look at him and uh, you look at Stephen Morris, you know, Stephen Morris, he, he has some quick feet on him, and he has a very strong arm, and, and you're right. It might be just the system, and, um, and I, I, hope, I hope things go well for, for Stephen in this year's NFL draft. And it's not going to surprise me at all if he goes late and maybe to like the fourth or fifth round. Um, I, I, could, I could see that happening easy, maybe even the Miami Dolphins um, right there in Miami, Florida. Well, let me ask you this, Darrell. We hadn't talked about a uh, kid from uh, Alabama. You look at his record, uh, only lost, what, two or three games in his uh, college career, and what, he, what kind of quarterback you think he'll make? You know, um, you know, I really think he has a chance of, um, of being a very productive um, NFL quarterback. I, I, I really do. I, I think he can do it. Uh, I, I, and I and, – what really leads me to believe that he could be a productive quarterback is that he comes from a program where he's probably only lost about four or five games in his entire career at Alabama. And right. so, you know, with that, with that winning pedigree, I think that, that, that travels a lot, and that's going to travel with him. I think he's going to get drafted, and it's not going to surprise me at all to see him on the field uh, being a productive quarterback right. in the near future. Yeah. yeah I, I, I really think so. Control the uh, offense. That's, that's what you want out of a quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I agree totally. You know, and um, you know, um, you know, uh, Michael Vick is—he's a free agent this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's there's some talk that um, he could he could land up land in uh, in New York with the Jets, um, maybe to back up Geno Smith. Uh, to help Geno Smith, uh, how do you think that that could work? Do you see that as a possibility for Michael Vick? I think it's a possibility. I think Michael Vick still got a couple of years, good years in him. Um, uh, obviously, he was hurt last year, lost his job, and didn't get to get it back. But you look at what happened to Vick, where he was out of the NFL for a couple of years. That may be the thing that kind of helps him because at the end of his career. Now he's still got a couple of years under those legs that he could possibly help some team. And uh, Michael Vick, when he went out, he was still productive. He, he's not a person that, you know, just throw out there third string, almost like Byron Lethwich was when he went to Pittsburgh. But uh, Michael Vick could still play football, and I think he could help somebody uh, on their team. I, I, I think you. I think you're right, you know. And, um, and I think there are a lot of teams that Michael Vick could possibly help. You know, not just um, you know, not not just the Jets. Um, there are a lot of teams. Whew, wow, you know, we live in we live near Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jaguars is the closest uh, NFL team to us. And trust me, I'm almost sure that he could he could help the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, he could. <laughs> yep. Hey, um, you know, um, we have uh, one of one of my he we have Larry King on the line who is a former University of Miami football player. Uh, actually, Larry is one of the first black players to ever play for the University of Miami. Larry, we got you on the line? Yes, I'm here. Larry, hey, how's Larry. it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, just getting ready to gear up for the season. Uh, there's great expectations down there this year, and 
you know, I had you had a pretty interesting show uh, this evening, so I wanted to call in and contribute in any way I can or have my two cents. <laughs> yeah, you know, Larry, um, I we we haven't talked about this yet, but since you're our first caller tonight, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, you know, the NFL is proposing a rule this year where they're going to penalize players 15 yards for using the N word in any process of the game. And, uh, uh-huh. and you and I both know when the N-word is used on a football field, it's more than likely on black on black. You understand what I'm saying? So do you, do you think this is something that the NFL can do? Do you think this is something they should do? Well, you know, there are two schools of thought on it, basically. And I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Because one of the things you have to realize is when, 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 when words like that are used or there are similarly, you know, negative com- connotations and and these players are, are, are role models, and, and kids watch these players on national TV. So they're looking for ways to react or how to act or things to become acceptable. And, and if they would allow them to continue doing that, then they would think that it's okay to do it. So it would perpetuate itself, you know, like it's perpetuated itself from, from your generation and my generation to the next generations and future generations. So I don't see it as a bad call, uh, you know, by the uh, league officials. I, I agree totally, and um, and Jerome, jump in any time. But you know, okay. when we when we look at our society, and when we look at the the things that our kids love the most is music and this rap music, uh-huh. and when when every other word is inward this and inward that, it's almost to the point where it's a, it's an acceptable word in society, and it is the most damning and hurting word that anyone could say to me you know and it, and it just and it really makes my blood boil to hear kids say that oh it's all right as long as they don't use the er or it's all right it's almost like a term of endearment no it is it is a a, a term of of doodle being slapped in my face it's almost that bad man i mean it really is well, yeah and it's taking on a national scope because uh you have comedians, you have, you know, and, you know, people look up to comedians, too, and uh, not necessarily actors, but comedians who get a lot of exposure, and, and they, they, you know, professed it and said it for a long time, so uh, it's out there, and, and certainly it's, you know, while it's a way of communicating, it's a way of, uh, you know, expression, it's a colloquial term, you know, and not really assigning anybody, but then it has a severe degradation to it, so... Uh, I think, you know, again, back to officials, back to generations, if we can eliminate it, then it'll be eliminated in future generations. So, you know, it's something that, you know, they should go up and, and, and eliminate from the vocabulary if they can. I'm a responsibility, uh, Larry, you think goes back to the family. Obviously, if you're in your home and uh, uh, I'm assuming some people use it and some people don't, but how much responsibility goes into the home as far as uh, the use of the word? A great responsibility because the parents and the households are probably, you know, somewhat responsible for what their kids do. You know, coaches uh, take a big part in it. I, I've lived in Chicago for since 95, coming back down here for the last five years, taking care of my parents who's uh, since deceased. And I have never, you know, being in Chicago in the field I was in, I wasn't, uh, inundated with that as much as coming back home and hearing it more profoundly every day, you know. So 
you know, with kids and, and, and just people, you know, I, it's just, just shocking to hear a lot of things that are said, whether true or not. But, you know, a lot of it does start within the home with the parents, you know, teaching their kids to, uh, to learn and respect, to respect for, for, for elders and respect what they say. So a lot of it starts right in the home, basically. And I teach my kids that, my, my daughter and my sons. You know, Larry, um, it's, it's, it's hurtful whenever I hear it, whether it be in music, whether it be kids on, in the community, or, um, or, or whether I'm listening to hear it on, on television. And I, I got friends, man, really, that if they hear more than two N-words in a movie, they'll get up and walk out. And I'm telling you the truth. They will get up and walk out. And so, but when we, when we, Listen to it and listen to it, and we almost getting to a point now where it's acceptable. What do we mm-hmm. do? What can we do? Because we have to do something. Because it's you know when you hear white kids saying, "Oh, it's all right, my my buddies let me call them the N word," or "It's all right when some of my friends say I can call them the N word," it, it, it's never okay. And what are right. we as an adults? What are we as middle-aged adults, the ones that are supposed to be kind of guiding our kids and guiding our communities? What are we going to do? How can we do something about this? I guess, you know, basically just have to educate them and uh, just educate them, let them know that's not right. That's not the right way to communicate, and, and, it, and it is unacceptable. Um, you, know, you know, we have racism and discrimination that still exists today, and you know, like I said, if we can eliminate it or tone it down so to 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 point to point one or get it to zero, then the next generation is going to follow. And I think it starts here. I think it starts tonight. It starts today. It starts with us as parents. It starts with coaches, uh, teachers, and leaders. You know, just to you know put a halt to it and and try to stop it in in our generation, so that it'll continue for generations, you know, to come. Right. I was watching the movie 42 about Jackie Robinson the other day, and uh, it had the one scene where the coach of the other team was using the N-word to describe Jackie Robinson, and Jackie mm-hmm. Robinson, as much as he could, ignored, 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 and finally one of his teammates went and stood up for one of his white teammates, went and stood up for him. And if mm-hmm. our youngsters just see the hurt, uh, even just in a movie that he went through to eliminate racism, to eliminate uh, the word and stuff like that that he went through, uh, hopefully our young people will see that, you know, we don't need to degrade ourselves. Exactly. And, and that, yeah. is, that is so true, man. That is so That's true. That's a great tool to use, yep. too, to, to educate them as well. <laughs> yep. You know, um, before you go, Larry, I'm, I want you to give us um, an incident where the, the, the N-word has been used in your life um, basically against you to make you feel bad. You know, uh, I'll never forget my my senior year in high school on our way to winning the state championship. We played Jacksonville Lee, the Lee Generals. And um, mm-hmm. and um, a, a man came on the field after we had beat them. And he I'll never forget, he, he came up to me and shook my hand, an old white man. And he said, good game, nigga. And my parents were so mad, boy, my dad wanted, my, bad, my dad, my mom had to hold him back. And thank God she did, because it wasn't worth it. You know, but he said, good game, nigga. Larry, have yeah. you ever had any experiences like that or something similar to that that has really hurt your feelings it, to the point where... It, it, exactly. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, 
I'm going to tell you two things, uh, uh, two stories, two short ones. One you got is, two minutes, uh, Ray Bellamy was the first black break. player to play at the University of Miami. We right. were uh, coming into, we were just coming off the game in Texas, and they were going to play LF, LSU. So the president of the LF, LSU Tigers called President uh, Henry King Stanford, who was the president of the University of Miami at the time, and told him that, um, I hope you're not going to bring that Negro player down here because, you know, if you're going to bring him, we're not going to play. And then, you know, Henry King Stafford replied that, you know, we're coming, we're, we're coming to dress, and he's going to play. As a matter of fact, he's the starter force. So it's up to him, it's up to you whether you all want to take the field because we're going to be there on time and we're going to be there ready to play. And, you know, Ray went on to tell me other stories, and, uh, but that one stood out of my mind. Uh, yeah. Something that happened to me. Larry, hold on. We'll be right back with more Voice America, more Sports Info UM. Hold on. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Julie Bueller are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune in to Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're tuned in to sports info um with daryl and sam call us today at 888-346-9144 that's 888-346-9144 or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back to Sports Info You and we have Larry King on the line. Larry played for the University of Miami from nineteen seventy three to nineteen seventy seven. And Larry's also a lawyer in Miami, Florida, in South Florida. Larry, how's it going? And thanks pretty for spending good, some time good. with us. Pretty good. Um I was uh you know, talking earlier about an experience I had uh prior to going to law school. I was coaching at Cardinal Gibbons High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And we had, uh, we had about three or four good Division One players, you know, that worked with a quarterback. But the punter we had was extremely good. And uh, he was being recruited by the both University of Miami. Well, actually, he was being recruited by Miami, uh, Florida, uh, and Florida State. Uh, one of the kids who were playing, I was very good friends with his dad, and he, he told me, he said, Larry, I want to tell you something about one of your wide receivers, you know, who's punter. He said, you know, that no nigger can teach him anything. You know, and I was, I was his position coach as well, and I was helping him, you know, with his punting techniques. Mm-hmm. So I called uh, that day in practice. I called us all into a huddle, and I asked everybody, you know, if they had anything on their mind they wanted to share. So you know, a couple of guys came out and talked about you know upcoming game and practice, and then I called him out in particular. I said, "Is there anything you want to tell you know say to me or say to the team?" He said, "No." So then I, you know refresh his recollection of what he said that no nigger can teach him anything. And I told, and I said, you know, one of the things you have to learn is when you leave here, if you go to the university of Miami, at least if 50% or 65% of your teammates are going to be black. University of Florida is going to be the same way. University of Florida state is going to be like 75, it can be maybe 65 or 70% of the players. So you got to be able to get along with everyone. Now, if a coach come down here and ask me what I think of you, I'm not going to lie to him. So unless your attitude changes, you're going to have a lot of growing up. You're going to meet a lot of bumps in the road. So you have to learn how to accept people as they are and not throw their color, you know, become a better player. I say, you're a great player, but you're not going to get far with that attitude, especially in this game, because the further you go, the more blacks that you're going to encounter in this game. And you're a good player. And don't let that be a, uh, uh, a stumbling block for you. And he came, he's a lawyer today. And uh, some of the other guys, uh, since I've come home, you know, some of judges and some, you know, businessmen, and they remembered that, what I talked about that day. And, uh, you know, they told me that, you know, that helped them a lot in, in life and, and the things that I kind of share with them that I encountered. So that was the first time it ever hit me in the face in that regard. Uh, other than, you know, me hearing that, you know, why do you want to go to law school? There are enough lawyers, you know, and especially, you know, you know, do something else. I say, well, there are not enough good black lawyers, and right. I want to be a great lawyer, black yeah. or white, you know. So, you know, I decided to do that and, and uh, did well, you know, in law school and one of the top of my class. So, you know, that football kind of parlayed itself over into the classroom as far as studying and dedication and the hard work. So, um you know, I'm coaching now at Stranahan, and I try to instill the same thing in those kids. You know, just be a player, you know. Just be a player. Just see your opponent. Get your opponent. Your opponent has no color. He just has a number. Take that number down, and just be the greatest player you can be. Right. And even at that. No talking. No jaw talking on the field, you know. Yep. So that's my experience with it. Awesome. All right. We really appreciate all your time, man, and um, thanks sure. for sharing the stories. 
You got to come back on the show. Don't be a stranger. Sure. Come back and talk to us anytime. We're here every Monday night from 8 to 9 o'clock, Voice America Radio. Will do. Will do. And uh, Ruben Carter told me, Ruben Carter, who also played at the University of Miami, I called him up. And, um, now I'm going to give him the website. Uh, told me to tell you guys hello. And if there's anything that you want him to do, he'd be glad to talk to you, too. So I'll give him your number. Man, man, tell man. tell Ruben Carter we'll have him on the show soon. I will. If not, I will. If not Ruben Monday, and I we'll have him on the following Monday. From, You're talking about uh, a legend, Broward County. Man. A legend. <laughs> Denver Broncos, Ruben Carter. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for 11 or 12 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. Stranahan High School. Stranahan High School's greatest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. now, my yep. son is playing in the NFL now. Uh He's in his first year there, so I wish yep. him well. And congratulations right. on that. And we hey. all wish him well. Former University of Miami standout cornerback. Yep, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. And now, uh, Larry, what's your son's name again so we can give him a shout-out? It's Brandon McGee. Bra- Brandon McGee. Brandon McGee. Yep, one of the fastest mm-hmm. guys to ever play at University of Miami. Super fast. Yep. Hey, Larry, you take care. And don't be a stranger. Okay. We'll be listening for you to call us again. Sure. Without Have, a good, Larry. Have a good night, Larry. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Take care, Bye. Bye. Hey, I'll be seeing Larry in a couple of weeks. We have our annual spring spring game, uh, second weekend in April. April 12th is the game down in Miami at, at Pro-Life Stadium. Um, man, we always have a good time. They take good care of us, man, down there. We always have a big party on Friday night. And then on Saturday, we have a big tailgate party before the uh, spring game. Ah, they give us big bags of stuff, shirts, and different things. It's always a lot of fun down there, Jerome. They take great care of us down there, man. I heard you talk about that. It sounds legendary. After you told me about some of the characters that you played with down at the time in Miami, it sounds like y'all uh, have a great time down there. Oh, it's always a great time, man. And uh, for the last three or four years, old Warren Sapp has been showing up, man. And uh, okay. it's, it's good to see Sapp, you know. And Gino Toretta, he's always there. Sometimes he has he have the Heisman Trophy with him. Um, awesome. We have a lot of guys. Brett Perriman came down um, this year. Um, who else came down um, last year? I mean, um, last year we had like 150 guys come down. and. Oh. Guys that played in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Larry played in the 70s. He's he's there every year, so it's it's a big party, man. And um, and the University of Miami um puts it on for us. All the former players, it's it's a big deal, and I, I really appreciate those young athletes to see y'all too and talk with y'all just to have a conversation with y'all. It, it is, man. Um, Edwin James uh, spoke to the team last year. Uh, Coach Don Solinger, he was a guest speaker last year. Uh, Edge is down there every year. Um, actually, I've been, I've um, gotten to know him quite well throughout the years of uh, since he's uh, retired from the NFL. And you talking about a great guy, man. I mean, just a super nice guy, super nice guy. Yeah, we got to get Edge on the show too. Yeah, him and Sam Sora played together at Indianapolis when uh, when Sam was uh, with the Colts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, but um, you know, um, the Jacks, the Jaguars have the number three pick, and if Clowney is still on the board, it's just hard for me to see them taking Bridgewater over Clowney with the number three pick. That would be a tough pick. I mean, like you said, you almost uh, got to take the 
the pass rusher. I mean, you got a kid with the size he has, with the speed he has, and I know your need is a, a quarterback, but when you got an athlete that can make a difference defensively, I mean, you got to take him. I mean, I can't see passing him up to get uh, a quarterback. I just can't see it, but um, you know, stranger things have happened in the draft before. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, um, now this this young man, Greg Robinson, offensive tackle from Auburn, he is going to be in the mix of the of the top three players taken. And when you look at last year's draft, an offensive line was taken first, and I think an offensive line was taken second. They were, they were like the, they didn't know who was going to go first or second. Right. And this year, this young man is supposed to be as good or better than both of those guys last year. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be in that second or third player taken. Uh, I don't see Houston Texans taking Manziel with the first player. And if anything, they're going to take uh, either Clowney or this kid Robinson with that pick, mm-hmm. which would leave Jacksonville with the third pick. And I don't see Jacksonville taking Manziel. I, I just don't see that. And I definitely don't see them taking um, Bridgewater at, right. at, the, at quarterback. I don't, I don't see that. It's going to be interesting with Jacksonville. And you never know. They may try to move up to get uh, Klein. I can't see anybody giving up that number one. And Jacksonville don't have a lot to offer. But, it, like I say, stranger things that happen. You never know about the NFL draft. People have dropped and moved up and, uh, made trades and all kinds of stuff. So I guess we'll see it when it comes. We will. And, and you know, um, Bridgewater t- does remind me a little bit of David Garrard. You know, mm-hmm. David Garrard played some played his best football ever in Jacksonville, and he had a very successful career in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And I can see, um, I see Bridgewater with a, a little bit of that David Garrard in him. Right. He's... He, he. He's a heck of a player. I mean, I saw the ESPN game where he played. I forgot the team that he played, but he threw for over like 400 yards and had about 150 yards rushing, and he's just an impressive kid, and they talk about him off the field even better than they talk about him on the field. So that's that's the type of player you want in the locker room. That's the type of player you want on the team, and that's the type of player you want as a quarterback also. I, I would I would agree um, totally. And, um, and if he does come to um... – to Jacksonville, I think that would be that that would be a good move because he'd he'd probably be the best quarterback we've had in Jacksonville since um since um who David Garrard at least. I'm sorry, he didn't go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's another Garrard, man. Garrard had that Tebow wind up. That was his biggest problem. You know, one of his problems. And um, but um. I, I I think I'd like to see Bridgewater in Jacksonville. I don't know if Jacksonville's ready for him, but I'd like to see him in Jacksonville. I know I he'd love, I know he'd love to be in Florida. You know, yeah, he's a Florida boy, correct? Um, Northwestern High School, Miami, Florida. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a great quarterback. We let get away. Hey, but uh, Jerome, before we go, we got two minutes, and um, I want to say something about this Daytona 500 since it's so close to my house, and um, mm-hmm. and I'm a, and I'm a big NASCAR fan. Um, I was so happy yesterday to see Dale Earnhardt Jr. win the Daytona 500. And and, and the race didn't start until uh, 8.53, almost 9 o'clock last night. It started for the second time. And, man, I mean, it was some real racing going on in that race. I mean, 
Earnhardt fought hard for that victory. One one that that he got a lot of help. He was out front for the majority of the second half of the race. And he, he did a lot of blocking and a lot of hard racing to get this victory, man. And, hey, congratulations, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Jr. And uh, I watched the last 30 uh, laps of that, and uh, Gordon kind of helped him out the last couple of laps, but it was exciting. You look at the wrecks that happened in the last uh, 10 laps, and uh, you kind of knew it was going to be a, a race to the finish line, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, won the Daytona 500 for the what, third time? Second time. Second yep. time. Yeah, and it's and the first time may have been a little bit of a collusion, cohesion, whatever you want to call it. You know, the the year after his dad died at mm-hmm. the track, you know, um, the next year, guess who wins the Daytona 500? Dale right. Earnhardt Jr. Uh, you know, that's kind of like that's kind of a little ish a little <laughs> bit in my mind. But um, I don't think that race yesterday had anything that anything. Um, shaky about it i think that was some hard racing and uh and it was a lot of fun to watch too man you know it's, it's great to see these cars go 197 210 miles an hour around the track bumper to bumper hey guys right. it's so much fun to listen to it was so much fun to work at voice america and we've had another great show jerome thank you again thank you for having me there all right we'll be right back we'll be back next week with more sports info um on voice america radio Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.